A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Make it happen, okay? Okay. Or I get in trouble. And I don't want to get in trouble. I want to get in the good books. So you help me get in the good books. Understand, Mr. Snippy Snip? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I am David Chen. And I'm Kim Renfro. On today's episode of Decoding TV, we're going to be uh, reviewing, recapping, discussing season four, episode six of Succession, the HBO original series. Season four, episode six, entitled Living Plus. Living Plus. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Decoding TV. We're broadcasting uh, this week and streaming live over there at uh, youtube.com slash decoding TV every week. We'll be broadcasting our season finale conversation about succession, most likely over there at youtube.com slash decoding TV. So hope you'll check us out there. Uh, and it, it, it's live. We're, we're doing it without a net, Kim. So often mistakes are made. It's fun. And if you want to hear, if you want to hear, the mistakes, uh, as opposed to a perfectly edited, polished to a gem product that is currently delivered to your ear holes, check us out at youtube.com slash decoding TV. Hear just how smart we all are on the fly. <laughs> you, if you think that, you know, the main podcast is garbage, imagine the stuff <laughs> we leave on the, imagine what we leave on the cutting room floor. Um, okay. So... Uh, before we get into this week's episode, though, there's a, a few things I want to uh, mention. The first thing I want to mention is, of course, uh, I want to let people know about the fact that over at DecodingTV.com, you know, if you're a fan of this podcast, you can pay for a better experience at DecodingTV.com. Also, support the show and make sure it keeps going at DecodingTV.com. Uh, and currently, I'm doing bonus episodes with David Cho where we talk about how realistic uh, succession is. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to quote. Somebody who commented on the last bonus episode, John E. writes, I never pay for podcasts. I was considering supporting Decoding TV prior to this, but David Cho is what tipped me over the edge uh, in deciding to support this podcast. Anyway. Hell yeah. So thanks, John E. And uh, I mean, and I don't David know about... David Cho. I, I don't know about the never supporting podcast. I'm not sure I support that idea, but I love that David Cho, who has been kicking butt over with, on the uh, bonus episodes is joining me over at DecodingTV.com. So yeah, consider supporting the show. Get access to all the bonus episodes we've ever done, which is not just with David Cho, but also with uh, other folks like Christian Spicer and one Kim Renfro as well uh, over in the history of Decoding TV. And uh, yeah, support the show. Make sure it keeps going. So thanks to all of our DecodingTV.com paid members who make this podcast possible. There is... Another thing I wanted to mention, you know, last week on the show, we talked about, you know, let's talk about a follow-up from last week, which is there uh, was a scene where Matson and his underlings were sitting at a table and speaking in a foreign language uh, der derogatorily about Cousin Greg and the Roys in general. And I asked, hey, what was going on with that scene? A bunch of people emailed in. Some people commented. I want to say thank you to all the emails at decodingtv at gmail.com. Thanks to all the comments for clearing up what exactly was said during that scene. Um, here is the translation. It was in Swedish. According to Per, 
here's a translation, but many, many people sent this in. So I'm just reading PERS just because it's the most recent one. Um, one of the people says, are we at an incestuous family gathering? And then another person chimes in to describe Cousin Greg. Two, meter, two meters of pure nepotism, an inbred, an inbred Habsburg giant, end quote, uh, referring to Greg. Now, Habsburg being a historical royal family, which famously only married within the family. Um, so they were being extremely mean to the Roys uh, in that Swedish commentary. And uh, thanks to everyone who shared that information with us. So yeah. uh, very enlightening. Now, before we begin our conversation about this week's episode, Kim Renfro, I also wanted to mention that a bunch of stuff happened in real life this week. That Maybe, maybe too much? <laughs> <laughs> that has some eerie parallels to the stuff going on in uh, the show. Uh, so much so that people are often referencing Succession or using memes from Succession to kind of refer to the day's news. But I, I would say the big, you know, there's, there's many things that we could talk about, but the big thing is Tucker Carlson... Uh, getting fired from Fox News. Mm -hmm. uh, that is the big thing. And there have been many articles with many theories trying to figure out why that is. And they put forward a bunch of different theories, and I'm not going to run down all of them, uh, but there's many different theories. It was his texts. It was his, he called uh, people on staff derogatory names. He was critical of management. Uh, th there's a lot of different theories, and I think it'll be some time before we actually know which theory was true. But there was one theory that really stuck out to me, uh, and I wanted to read it. This one's from K Gabriel Sherman over at uh, Vanity Fair. Uh, and he speculates that uh, Tucker Carlson's rel religiosity was too much mm. for Rupert Murdoch. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to read here from this Vanity Fair piece. Quote, Rupert Murdoch was perhaps unnerved by Carlson's messianism because it echoed the end times worldview of Murdoch's ex-fiancee and Leslie Smith. In my May cover story, I reported that Murdoch and Smith called off their two-week engagement because Smith had told people Carlson was a messenger from God. Murdoch had seen Carlson and Smith discuss religion firsthand. In late March, Carlson had dinner at Murdoch's Bel Air Vineyard with Murdoch and Smith. During dinner, Smith pulled out a Bible and started reading passages from the book of Exodus, uh, the source said. Rupert just sat there and stared. A few days after dinner, Murdoch and Smith called off the wedding. By taking Carlson off the air, Murdoch was also taking away his ex's favorite show, end quote. Uh, and the way it's been described, I thought, was also just very interesting. Like, uh, I, I saw Yashar Ali, who has also had some media news about him this week, but he was talking about how, like, one of the things about Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch, is he will give you lots of leeway. But when that leeway is up... It will end furiously and decisively, as it did for Tucker Carlson. You know, mm. and you can t and all these are things. The way I'm describing all this: taking away a show to spite an ex, giving someone a lot of leeway until there's no more leeway left, and then all of a sudden it's over. You're you're on the outs. These are all very Logan Roy esque qualities. Would you wouldn't you agree, Kim Renfro? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I've always really loved about the writing and the approach of successions, like the sort of like faux documentary styling of filming that they use, I think mm -hmm. kind of once you get used to it, it's just sort of there. Um, but I often think every time that something like this both happens in the real world, or if the show makes a point of discussing like the press releases or like the source calls being made to people, it's really incredible the way that the show has been able to kind of give us 
this fictionalized version of how those conversations might actually be playing out among real people. And then how that gets translated into like corporate speak that someone like me as an entertainment reporter who's been working in the industry for a while might report on of like, oh, why did this TV show get canceled? Or like, oh, why did this movie director just get another like, you know, three movies committed to this franchise type of thing. So like, I think that all of these real world things happening, it's like, yes, it's a coincidence. It's also very much baked into what Succession's been doing from the beginning. So it's kind of it's kind of surreal to see it overlapping (laughs) right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I was going to save this for the main discussion, but uh, since we're talking about real world parallels, there is one very clear real world parallel for Living Plus uh, in this week's episode of Succession. And that would be, in my opinion, uh, CNN Plus. Now, Living Plus and CNN Plus were very different products. Uh, CNN Plus was a streaming service and Living Plus is obviously a real estate service. But CNN Plus was, if you'll recall, a streaming service that Warner Media was going to launch before they merged with Discovery. Mm. And David Zasloff, who is now the head of the newly formed entity, was very unhappy about CNN Plus. And he, he essentially tried to communicate. But again, you're not allowed to coordinate with companies that you have already acquired. So... Uh, he couldn't say, hey, don't launch CNN Plus, but he basically pulled stuff that Matson pulled this episode or similar things of trying to express his de- discontent other than tweeting out really unstable racist stuff. Uh, he tried to kind of make clear he was unhappy with CNN Plus. Uh, please don't launch CNN Plus, but guess what? They launched it anyway. They spent around $300 million developing CNN Plus. And CNN Plus was on air. They had all this original streaming shows shows that were just for streaming lifestyle shows for some reason that were on cnn plus and it was live for a few weeks and then i think after one month the merger completed and david zaslav was like cnn plus is gone uh they were originally planning to spend over one billion dollars over the course of four years on cnn plus uh but that was a huge program whoa that was built up launched shortly before an acquisition completed uh, that the new CEO was very unhappy with. And he was just like, we're done. This is over. Forget about it. Uh, and so I felt like even though Matson, I think, is most clearly an analog for Elon Musk in real life, uh, there is a uh, CNN plus slash Warner Media slash David Zasloff parallel in this episode. So That's so interesting because I didn't know that side of it. To me, the first thing that popped into mind when I was seeing the Living Plus presentation was like uh, Disney world and like Mm. Epcot and like the sort of like the way that Disney has like branched its theme park experience out into like oh you can also just live here you know and like live in this walkable community that's like so close to all these other like the whole like getting content fed at you like type of vibe so yeah it sounds to me like it's a it's a nice amalgamation of a lot of different um sort of like both real world and just like never actually happened aspirational business strategies type of thing. Yeah, I think uh, you are absolutely correct that it is much more similar in terms of a product to what Disney would actually launch. Yeah. And in fact, there is a a Disney community that is currently being planned. Uh, I think it's called... uh, Hasn't there always... (laughs) You can find it at, it's, it's called Cotino, a story living by Disney community. 
And the idea is that it is going to be a planned community uh, that's heavily inspired by uh, in The Incredibles 2, uh, the movie, and it will be in Riverside County. And uh, uh, it's, it's trying to, according here from a Los Angeles Times piece, it's going to uh, infuse a master-planned community with the Burbank Entertainment Giants trademark whimsy and wonder, end quote. So, yeah, agreed that in terms of, like, the actual product is most close to something Disney would launch in terms of like um, dynamics with CEOs. It feels most similar to CNN plus. So there's a lot of different business, internal business strategy, personalities like confronting and or like products versus like the real world (laughs) things that they're actually trying to make happen. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great call out, Kim. Okay. uh, So let's get into the episode, Kim Renfro. Season four, episode six. Let's start, by, as always, by talking about overall thoughts in the episode. What did you think of season four, episode six of Succession, Living Plus? I, I really liked this one. I think I might have liked it a little better than last week's, maybe because we get some, some sibling feelings out in the world again, which we all know I love in Succession. But it does continue. I, like, I really appreciate that this final season, every episode continues to surprise me with just like the narrative structure and or like location that they're going with. Um, I wasn't expecting to be back in California for a whole other episode. And then I was like, oh, yeah, of course, they were just talking about this movie. Like it segues really nicely. But like actually seeing them all try and do the Waystar business from these Los Angeles offices once again. Um, I just thought it was a cool reset again for this. Like we're on day seven, day six. It's episode six. Yeah, so it's episode day six. six. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I thought this episode was incredible. I loved it. I think uh, I, I will say a big part of it is because I have been, um, I have never had an exec, an exec comms role. So uh, in the corporate world, exec comms is essentially like the people that help prepare the speeches that executives say. So I have not had an exec comms role. I have, uh, uh, it almost came to be that I almost had an exec comms role at one point. Got it. So you're so familiar I, with it. I'm very yeah. familiar. And I've also like been adjacent. I've been in the room when those presentations are created. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I know like all the the feelings and the the work and, and the clearances and all the stuff that needs to go into it. And I felt this was a, in general, a really great, rendering of what that is like how intense it is how exciting it is uh, and how treacherous it can feel sometimes Mm. um but i also feel like for me this episode focused what the rest of the season is going to be and that is that i think that it's going to show how the roy siblings really are completely useless without their dad and I, i i think that like we start to see failures of a catastrophic nature take place in this episode that even though they can talk the talk and they have a lot of the abilities. And even though ostensibly this episode ends with a kind of mini victory for Kendall, Mm -hmm. I I do think it shows how vast and how big some of these deficiencies that they have are. Um, So I really loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And um, it's just, this is in my opinion, one of those, classic succession episodes i thought this is one of the great ones like mm, you know mm-hmm. the uh 
the Roy's get hold in front of Congress, you know, and like mm-hmm. that was a re- that was a really good one where like you have people commenting on it in a very snarky way. Like it had that dynamic as well, obviously. So yeah, uh, I love this is one of my favorites. I loved it. Um, and yeah, I-, I thought it captured a lot about uh, just how how difficult it is to put together one of these presentations. So. Yeah, I didn't realize until the credits were rolling that it was another Lorreen Scafaria episode. I must have just mm-hmm. like missed that in the opening credits or before. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, I was like, that's why I just liked that so much. And like, the, there were so many scenes. I was definitely crying like 10, 10 minutes in with like the, when the siblings all finally start talking to one another again. Like, I think that all of those those scenes where you just really feel like you are watching people have a three to four minute conversation in front of you. That is like, Mm -hmm. like you're right in all of the energy and tension and like grief or excitement or nervousness that like all of them have. So yeah, it was incredibly well done. All right. Well, those are a few overall thoughts on the episode. Before we continue, I do want to mention that this episode of decoding TV is brought to you by the McDonald's app. And specifically, I want to tell you about my newest life hack, Kim Renfro, which is the McDonald's app. Uh, You order in the app, you pick your favorite location, you select curbside or counter, and you head to McDonald's. You can grab your food faster. They prep it while you're on the way. So it's like the VIP experience you never knew you needed. So you want McDonald's for lunch, but you don't want to deal with that lunch rush. Just download the McDonald's app, order ahead, pick your location, select curbside or counter, and you can pick up your food whenever you get there. They prep it while you're on the way. If you've got somewhere to be and you don't have time to wait in line, order ahead the McDonald's app, and McDonald's will get it all ready while you're on, way, on your way so it's hot and fresh. You can pick up your food faster at the counter or curbside when you get there. I really love using the app because it's really well designed. It's super fun. It's super easy to use. And it's just convenient. You know, uh, you get to skip the line. It's like one of my favorite things. You feel like one of the Royce, you know, like I imagine this is what their experience was like. There's no uh, delays or anything like that. You're just uh, showing up and they're prepping it on the way. And you're like, oh, wow. Like it's all tailored to what I'm looking for. So anyway, uh, I strongly recommend you check out the McDonald's app and order in the McDonald's app. Uh, you can order ahead in the app to save time. Prep while you're on the way excludes drive through at participating McDonald's copyright 2023 McDonald's. Thanks to McDonald's for sponsoring us this episode. All right, let's move on, Kim Renfro, and talk about what actually happens in episode. So, season four, episode six, the episode opens with Logan Roy standing in front of a green screen, reading prepared copy about the launch of a new Waystar Royco product called Living Plus. Kim, you had a strong reaction to this, did you not? Jump scare. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's Logan. He's alive. No, he's not. Yeah. I was like, flashback? No, not flat. Like, I, I feel like I went through a bunch of different emotions as soon as that image popped up on my screen. Because yeah, I just wasn't expecting to see Logan alive and moving anytime soon after the last couple of episodes. Uh, and, you know, a few episodes ago, I was talking about how you can't really tell rich people what you really think. Mm. And this this interaction that he has with the producers really exemplifies that, where they're saying, hey, maybe you could do this. Way. First of all, let me just say, I think in general, and in this, in this episode, and in this case in specific, I think the producers or assistants did a relatively poor job of, quote-unquote, handling the... Talent. Uh, the Royce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because... Uh, I guess I would say that in the case of Logan, 
uh, it's possible that there's nothing you could have said to Logan that would have made him react well to that. But to the extent that you could say anything that would make him react well, he's going to be the guy that wants you to be straightforward. (laughs) He's not going to want you to beat around the bush, which is what I thought the assistant did in that case. You know? Yeah. To me, I... I felt like a shot of fear when she interrupted him. Mm, Like that's what it was. I think if she had let him finish or well, again, to the point, he probably just wouldn't want any feedback, but like, it was like, you could see like, again, Brian Cox is just so good at doing what he does with Logan Roy's character because you could see the moment when he snapped out of like, I'm being business Logan into like, did you really just interrupt me? And then like, it just kept getting worse. Yeah. So Yeah. Brutal, brutal, brutal. Also, I like watching him in front of the green screen try to do the like, you know, investor mode pitch. I I could hear the fact he does voice commercials right now for McDonald's. I've like heard him on like a Hulu ad and he like, like Brian Cox is so good at that very straightforward like commercial like right to your door, like whatever it is, you know, like flame broiled. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> amazing, amazing Brian Cox impression, Kim. That's just, that's some of your best work right there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, moving on. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's an interesting scene. Obviously, he also disparages his kids. In, uh, in the and thing. then you see yeah. that they're watching it and yeah. you're like, brutal. Right. So yeah. like, we eventually, it, it becomes clear very quickly that all the kids, or I'm, I'm guessing all the execs have been disseminated this video that was filmed shortly before logan's death because he had been working on pitching this is that what we're thinking that it was like pretty recent uh like, yeah i think i think that's yeah right, yeah which means uh, that like one of the most recent things that he said about his children well, behind their backs was <laughs> it could have been months it could have been months ago you know they, yeah, they pro- yeah. for, for something like this basically the way it would generally work is um they would block t- if they're like hey they know they need Logan to launch it. They would block time whenever they can get it. Right. right. So even if it's three months in advance and they would just get whatever they can get. Totally. And then work with that. So totally. anyway. Yeah. Kendall's like, it's fine. It's like a Valentine's card as if like, that's actually one of the nicer things Logan could possibly say about his children, that they're fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, they're they're about to launch this thing called Living Plus. They're going to use footage from Logan to help do it, apparently, which is not necessarily a slam dunk idea. No. Uh, but we'll Risk. see how it plays out. Risky. So that's the cold open. Next, we see Shiv in a private jet in the Southern California airport. Also watching that video of her dad trying to create a promo for Living Plus before Matson calls her. And they see that their private jets are parked next to each other. So he gets out. He talks to her. He basically explains that hey, it would be good if I had your help, Shiv, because you know uh, we have a good relationship and you know where the bodies are buried in uh, in Waystar Royco. It would be nice to have someone on the inside. There was something um, somebody said, uh, I don't remember if it was a tweet, if it was a comment, it was an email, but somebody was commenting how, why does Matson talk to Shiv in the way that he does in last week's episode? Uh, Is he playing some kind of game? Or maybe he has some sick... Um, some sick perversion where he knows she can't uh, tell really him off say because no. of this deal, right? So yeah. he's like forcing. But I, I kind of interpret it. Yes, he's being wildly inappropriate for sure. Like I'm not saying that's okay, but I kind of interpret it as uh, on face value that he just kind of likes this person and also sees some utility in her. Um, but Kim, I don't know if you have any comments on on their relationship as it plays out this episode. 
I mean, I think that he he likes her to the same extent that he liked Roman for a little bit too, right? Exactly. Or liked Kendall, exactly. quote unquote. Yeah. Like, I think to the to the extent that any of those kids will sort of spar with him in this like little battle of billionaire asshole wits, like he'll have fun with it. And so I think it's a mix of that plus the misogyny aspect. Like, plus he's he's. I think that he is enjoying the fact that he gets to like toe this line of flirtation with her and she can't yeah. really tell him no. And so I think it's just fun for him. I think he's just the dude's a walking red flag at worst. <laughs> like he's either saying a microaggression or something outright racist or like business strategy that is like 50% chaos, 50% sound, whatever mind. Alexander Skarsgård, he's he's a, he's a lurcher, is how I think of him. The man, mm-hmm. like, there was a shot in the last episode after Kendall and Roman left the room where he was kind of, like, hulked over in front of the window. And then, like, in this, too, like, him walking across between the planes, not wearing shoes like a psychopath, like... Just... Wow. Very judgy of people who don't wear shoes, Kim, is what I'm learning. I'm judgy yeah. of Matsons who... <laughs> walk around the world the way that they do as Mm -hmm. if like genuinely they can do whatever they want because for the most part they get away with it i did want to comment on the fact that uh last week jerry kind of gives a psych up speech Mm. uh, about uh hey we're going to go meet these young extremely impressive startup people uh and uh, she she said she said i think she calls matson or the whole crew like vikings and i do want to acknowledge that um, Matson or Alexander Skarsgård basically played a Viking recently in The Northman, and I th- mm-hmm. actually thought he was awesome in that movie. So uh, I would, I actually recommend that movie. I think it's really, really weird, but a lot of fun. So anyway, I believe it. And Dude. he's only slightly he's he's slightly less weird in that movie than he is in this show. So I mean, um, what what he's doing with the, what Alexander Skarsgård's doing with Matson, I think, works in that he can be obviously very charming and charismatic when he wants to, and he's like a very like right. classically handsome dude. He was in True Blood, you know, like he has the whole like. I could either be a hot vampire or like a modern CEO thing going for him. And it's like watching him turn on that charm and then lean into like the unstable, I'm really messing with you just because I can like power trips is unsettling in the same way that it is for the characters, I think. Indeed. So the hub for this episode is Waystar Studios in Los Angeles, where Kendall and Roman have requested the exec team gather before their investor day presentation is going to take place. It was during this episode, Kim Renfro, that I really just appreciated the scope of this season. Mm. Uh, you know, you're you're on a boat. You're in uh, at the uh, Gojo com- corporate retreat. Now you're back at Waystar Studios. It's like, wow. like, And yeah. it really looks like a Los Angeles studio. Does it not, Kim Renfro? It looks, I was just there for the first time in my life. <laughs> I literally was just on a little golf cart trolley thing, like going through that. That's the Warner Brothers yeah. uh, studios in Burbank, um, which is where they film a bunch of stuff, including like Westworld. I saw the little entry thing for Abbott Elementary right now is mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's like the studio backlot. It's cool. I thought uh, the Waystar Studios logo and the way it appears on buildings felt very plausible to me. It felt very like old school classical design to me. Um, mm-hmm. So I really appreciate all that stuff. Anyway, uh, there is a scene where 
they uh, there's a scene where the Roy brothers try to present to the exec team and some members of the board, hey, Matson is unstable, FYI, BT dubs. Yeah. Uh, which again continues their humiliation because nobody thinks anything they're saying is serious at all. Uh, and it does really remind me, you know, it, it's so fascinating to, to consider when this episode was written because mm. uh, the Elon Musk takeover happened of Twitter happened in like October, November time period, I think of 2022. And, uh, and I don't know when this was written or filmed, but it was probably like around that time, you know, like it's probably being filmed around that time, maybe earlier, maybe later, but um, the way in which they're talking about Madison is extremely similar to the way in which Elon Musk is talked about today mm-hmm. uh, and how, uh, or, or not today, I should say six months pre, <laughs> seven to eight months ago, pre-acquisition right. of Twitter, but where you know people will say, oh, oh, his reputation is priced into the stock. Like, it's it's easy to forget, but like a year ago, uh, we were in a world where just by being associated with a company, uh, Elon Musk could raise that company's stock price mm-hmm. by X amount. When when rumors that Elon Musk was like taking a larger share in Twitter, it's like Twitter shares went up. You know, oh, he might acquire the company. He might be part of the company. Oh. Hundreds of here investors like here's hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, that I don't think will happen today in the same way, just no. because I think the Twitter acquisition has been very bad for his public reputation. Um, but it was like so uncannily similar to the way you know they're saying, oh, it's maybe it adds to his mystique. You know, maybe the fact that he's da da da. And um, I just yeah. thought it was I just appreciated the Elon Musk parallels, and also that it shows how badly the brothers are out of their depth that they thought they could actually convince could, like, any of them to walk away from an exorbitant amount of money it's a nothing burger they, they, what they yeah. have is a nothing burger i, I just don't yeah. even know what the thinking was there yeah um but there was a nice chap that the roy children have uh where it finally comes out that they're trying to tank the deal and shiv learns this right yeah i was gonna say too another detail that i didn't notice until i was just re-watching that first bit again um is like kendall takes shiv's seat I don't know if you picked that. Like, mm. I clocked her, like, taking the phone from in front of him and moving it. And I didn't really mm. get that the first time I watched it. And then the second time, I was like, oh, she was sitting there. And it was just, like, one more, like, tiny moment of Kendall mm-hmm. just, like, barreling into that room, not actually thinking about, like, what's going on with just, like, yeah, a very delusional attempt. Well, yeah, I don't know. We'll get into it because it's, like, wa- watching – the way that Kendall's story unfolds in this episode is was surprising to me. Like, yeah. but the 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 three Roy siblings have a moment. I thought, oh, Kim will probably appreciate this. I you know? did Girl. look at them they, talking about their feelings, kind yeah. of. <laughs> they give each other a little hug, and it's very awkward uh, when they're like Shiv's assistant walks in on the hug. Yeah, like, can you imagine if you were the assistant and? You walk in and your superiors are like three three people who own the company are like, you know, giving each other a hug. Well, uh, don't we later find out that Shiv's own assistant is the one scheduling her cry rooms? Indeed. So this might indeed. be the least of maybe she's happy to see to see she's me. I'm Shiv's assistant. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh. Oh, they're hugging nice. for a change. That's nice. I, I actually think it's psychologically good that they're doing that, but also like in a work environment, it would feel weird to see that, I think. Um, sure. Everything that the Roy kids do in a work environment <laughs> would be weird to see. Mm-hmm, none, mm-hmm. none of this is correct. Yeah. yeah. 
but yeah, so let's talk about Shiv a little bit. So Shiv and yeah. Tom have a series of scenes this episode in which they kind of rekindle their affection for each other, even as Shiv maintains her distance from him. Uh, they meet in the waiting room, in the meeting room where, you know, Tom learns that Shiv has been scheduling her cries. Uh, this is, a, I think, a continuation of the theme I discussed a few weeks ago about how when you are this quote unquote important, you don't really have the time and the space to really experience human emotions like most other people. And so you have to book meeting rooms in order to cry in. Uh, but they they get a little bit of physical after Tom starts comforting her. That surprised me. I was like really on edge for that whole scene because I did not think that after last episode, I did not think that I was going to see them on okay terms in this episode. I thought that she was going to go full power trip on him, but like they do seem to both like lean into this little mutual. We're both suffering and don't have a lot of options right now. So maybe we can just like be a weird comfort to one another instead of making each other's lives worth question mark. My voice is getting more high pitched because I don't (laughs) trust any of them. I I love it. I love the whole, because after the first episode, you're thinking to yourself, Oh, this relationship is over. You know, this is, this is it. But it does seem like there's still some fuel left in the uh, tank for uh, yeah. the Shiv and Tom shippers, right? So, and it's only been five days since they yeah. said they were going to get divorced. And as far as we know, no paperwork has been drawn or drafted, yeah. right? So they're, they're, they are technically still married, just separated? Question Yeah, and, th- and there's a big bomb that's left to drop of who the kid is. Right. Um, someone in these, you know, my, my podcast, The Filmcast, has a Slack group and... Uh, somebody named Jennifer uh, in that group, one of the admins said that uh, I think her husband says uh, that there might be a Wamsgans in her wombs. <laughs> no, I don't. I want to unhear Wombsgans. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome to that. That's a, that's a, that's a free one, Kim Renfro. So, yeah, I don't know. I once again, Shiv is very hard to read in this episode about anything that she's privately actually feeling. You know, right. she's fully but, got so, her guard up while also so she has a, yeah. She yeah. has a scene with Tom at the at the Waystar investor party. Uh I assumed this was a property that was owned by the Roys or Roy adjacent because they do end up having sex in one of the bedrooms. And so I'm like That'd be pretty weird if it was your some other person's house. <laughs> uh, I think worse but, things have happened at corporate parties. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Uh, but they play bitey, which is where they bite each other yeah. until they can't stand it anymore. I was like, you're doing this in front of everyone? Again, the kind of thing that like I would you would see right. in the background at a party and be like, what the hell? Like on Twitter or something. And be right. like, what if, the hell's if, going if, on? If you played bitey with your husband at a party... At a corporate party, it probably wouldn't go over well. People would be like, that's weird. <laughs> but because they are basically invincible, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter for them. Uh, there is, uh, And then there's a scene at the end where they're kind of in a car and it's kind of hinted at that there's like more chemistry left between the two of them. So I'm kind of interested where it goes. And I'm kind of interested in what Tom's reaction is going to be once he finds out about the Wamsgans. Right. Uh, like the, most, extra the, most, the most cynical viewer in me was like, even if it's on some subconscious level, is Shiv rekindling things with Tom so that they can have sex at least one more time? And then, like, he wouldn't even question, like, once she eventually wow. tells him that 
So you pregnant. don't believe it's a well, womb scam scene or womb scams then? I, I, I guess I'm saying I don't – I it's not really clear yet why she hasn't talked to Tom if it is their baby and they made that decision. Right. Also, the timeline is unclear to me. So it's just there's a right. lot that I don't know. So again, it yeah. was the yeah, cynical yeah. brain in me. It was like, okay, if however the timeline works out, it's not Tom's, this – this seemingly somewhat sweet, earnest rekindling might not be sweet and earnest. It might be strategic and mean once again. I definitely think it's possible that that's the case for sure. Yeah. Um, but I did love the conversation they had in yeah. in the bedroom. You know, it, it's, it's, these are people actually connecting and being honest about themselves. And he, he's saying, Hey, money's really important to me. And uh, I was in a situation where I might've lost my access to money. And that's why I did the things I did. And it's the first time where they've really been honest with each other and been able to talk with each other, I think. And she's, yeah. you know, she said, you shouldn't have betrayed me. You know, they're actually working out their feelings. Yeah. And they're, they're doing what he, they're doing like what he wanted to do exactly. in the first episode. And she just couldn't. And I think that maybe something in her dad dying sort of like knocked loose one of her defensive. Yeah. Yeah. Chips, maybe. you know, like, so I, I love all that stuff. I'm very curious where it's going, but I'm a, I'm a fan of the the Tom Shiv development. I mean, I'm a fan of the whole episode, but like the Shiv and Tom stuff, I, I like where it's going. And I'm, may, maybe they're going to end up together and be the only happy ones. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Also, Shiv looks freaking amazing in this episode. Like yeah. LA suits her. Let's keep Shiv in yeah. Los Angeles. I, I like, let's do Tom and Shiv. I don't know. Mess up. Calabasas. <laughs> all, all, all of Shiv's uh, outfits from the show need to be put in a museum and studied, mm. I think, you know, mm-hmm. in general. So, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Let's talk about Roman. The pressure of the co-CEO job starts to get to Roman and he starts making some pretty brash decisions. Uh, he meets with a studio executive named Joy and then impulsively fires her. Then when he gets flack from Jerry for this decision, he fires her too. Uh, he tries to tell Kendall about this uh, and say it was a mistake. Maybe you need to smooth things over, but Kendall kind of hypes him up about it. Uh, then later on, he backs out of the Kendall presentation at the last minute, which is actually really heartbreaking. You can see how disappointed Kendall is at that moment. That really hit me hard. Uh, and there's some great acting from from both of them this episode, but specifically Jeremy Strong, I really liked. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, the wheels are starting to come off the bus in this episode. And... Uh, it really was upsetting to me, you know, to watch him fire this person. There's a reason you, you can't fire someone that high up uh, in the way that he did it, basically. Uh, With Jerry, you mean, or Joy? Both. Yeah. Both. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, my interpretation of the events is that Roman is in a very emotionally unstable place right now. His dad's just died. Matson's trying to uh, disobey his dad's wishes, and he's trying to fight Matson on that front. And then he's looking for people to be grateful and deferential. Yeah. So when he says to Joy, the studio executive, hey, we're about to give you a fuck ton of money, and you just got to start spitting out hits. He wants her to say, oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Like, you're so amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and oh, this insurrection by the talent who doesn't want you to be associated with Mencken, the the far right wing candidate. Don't worry, I'm going to take care of that. You don't even need to worry about it, Roman Roy. Like I think that's what he is looking for from her. And when she right. doesn't deliver that, he basically thinks, "Oh well, what good are you to me? You're fired." That that's my interpretation. Yeah. Kim, I don't know if you had any different thoughts on that. Yeah. I think 
I think all of the Roy siblings, but especially Roman and Kendall, like only know how to operate in like aggressive power or money. Like mm-hmm. that, those are the two things that they think can always move the lever. And like, it just can't sometimes, like sometimes you have to do the tough human thing and have like a clear conversation with someone or like be up, be upfront and understanding about what everyone actually needs versus barreling into executive meetings on some personal vendetta that will inevitably, like, again, the backdrop of watching this episode for me with all of the real world, real world events going on was like every one of these conversations, I'm like, the changes that they're talking about are going to result in tons of job losses. Like mm-hmm. these mergers are going to like, they're probably going to lay people off. Like when they talk yeah. about doing X, Y, and Z thing or whatever, like, again, the show never really shows us the average person at any of these companies who's actually being impacted or like the average consumer of a lot of these products and stuff. But like they're there in the subtext of everything that these people are talking about in such a like flippant and callous way that, yeah, it's just not, it's not how you're, it's not how I think anyone should comport themselves in a professional manner whatsoever. Totally. But that seems to be the only thing that they learned from their time under Logan or their time trying to like out logan each other in front of people kind of thing right um there's a moment when he roman goes up against jerry i mean roman firing joy that's very bad uh and joy did not approach him in the way that he wanted to be approached i'm not saying he was reasonable at all but i i think he wanted a level of deference that she didn't give, especially when he jokingly says, yeah, you probably are like, what, what the F is Roman Roy's record? And she says, I'm sure you have a very good reason for being where you you are, you know, which yeah. is like extremely euphemistically one too many snarks. At- yeah. It's, it's, he could sense, cause you know, he's cut from that claw. He knows when someone's being a, an asshole. And so yeah. if she's kind of being an asshole to him back or giving it back in a compliment, she's going to know it and he's going to know it. Yeah. Um, so, but, but firing joy, that is still like a recoverable decision. Right. But then when Jerry confronts him and he goes after Jerry, that is for a like, second is- time. I'm like, you're firing Jerry for a second time when you just, this was what by our <laughs> timeline, like ver- this year sent her a dick pic and nearly got her fired. From her position. Well, that, that was when she was CEO. This is like he's firing her as like general counsel, I believe. Right. right? Like, like, I mean, in, and, in every aspect. Yeah. It's a nightmare. And, and I she has felt, this great line. She has this great Jerry. line where she says, uh, the money, you cannot go up against the money. The money's going to mm. wash you away. And I think that's absolutely correct. And it's, by the way, what Logan had always said. The money yeah. always wins. And uh, and he has, in general, been right in this, in this show. Um, but even Kendall is shocked when he goes to Kendall and talks about it. And he says, wait like shiv's godmother jerry you know like i think his initial reaction is fuck you jerry really jerry you know um but then kendall kind of gets talked into it but it really feels like roman is not acting rationally he has he has he's able to speak in the corporate speak and the correct language uh, of saying justifying why these people need to be fired but he is not acting rationally and it has now become a very unstable force in as jerry puts it a dangerous interregnum yeah uh, for the uh for the Waystar Royco company. So yeah. Any other thoughts on the Roman storyline before we move on to Kendall? Just that I, I do appreciate that at the very least, like Roman keeps flailing and like making a mistake and then panicking about it. And I'm glad that he's not like wholly keeping those things to himself. Like 
that I think is when all of the siblings really start to fall apart is when they just cease talking to each other at all. And the fact that Roman at least was like able to go tell Kendall what was going on, but then like pull out of that presentation, like the self-awareness of being like, I can't be on a stage right now representing our company. And I actually think that you probably shouldn't be there either, but I can't really tell you not to go out there. So I'm just telling you, like, I just think that they, I think that they're, we are seeing them build a slow understanding of like, oh, things go a little bit better when we actually communicate with one another or like when we actually like, I don't know. Wow. I have a completely different read of the whole situation. You know, I think what's, yeah, I, what's yours? I think, I think Roman is not really betraying, but like really letting his brother, de- like leaving his brother twisting in the wind in that situation where it, it's to me and to you, I assume, and to most viewers, they're thinking Kendall's going to bomb this thing. And yeah. so Roman's like, hey, I'm going to take a step back. So I'm not, I'm not tied up in this, what is likely to be a catastrophe. And it, I guess it, I, I thought think that he betrayal. was trying to get them to call it. I thought he was trying to get them to call the whole thing off. And then like clocked, he, well, that, he was Kendall, trying... clocked that Kendall wasn't going to and was just like, well, I, I can't go forward with you, bro, kind of thing. was And like, uh, that is still very messed up. I agree. But like, yeah, I also I mean, don't yeah. think that like, I don't think yeah, that- he, he did. He did suggest to Kendall, hey, maybe we should just not do this, which would right. have been, uh, you know, Kim, you've been to a lot of these like investor presentations. I think it's, I know. Pretty, rare. I like, it's pretty rare where you go to because they, they it's a huge deal. They like send it weeks in advance. Uh, they you your company flies you out there. You need to stay in a hotel uh, and it would be pretty rare for it to just not happen. Right. Like that would right. be a big that would be a story in and of itself if that occurred. Right. Um, and like, I think part of me, again, thinking in like the headlines, I was like, okay, if the headlines come, because like, that's the thing, right? These investor days always result in news coverage, which then impacts the business, right? Like generally is like, what did the company promise to investors? And then like, they got some sort of like press coverage out of that. So I like, I was like, the headlines either going to be Kendall's tanking this and like, you know, waste like everything goes into chaos mode and then as i saw like he's like slowly pulling it off i was like the the alternate here because i think that the i think part of the reason why he pulled it off was the tiny bit of like pathos he tried to get from the audience regarding his dad like the video was kind of jarring i don't think it played entirely well but the times that he did just take a moment to like try to earnestly say like like his whole if i could have another minute with my father it would be priceless like that really People really resonated with that. And in my head, I was like, if all three kids came out and said, we are so sorry, but our dad died three days ago and we thought we could do this, but we can't. Like, we're going to comp everyone for the weekend in the hotel with our billions of dollars. Like, we'll reschedule this as soon as we could. Like, that could have played well in headlines. But again, no one's doing the right thing in this show. That's why it's an interesting, dramatic show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but fair enough. But I I, I do think him... He does try to talk Kendall out of the presentation. Yeah. Right? He says, hey, let's just cancel it. But then he seems like Kendall wants to do it. And so he says, hey, you're you're on your own. He basically says, you're on your own, which I think is a really... You see it crush Kendall. Yeah, it's it's crushing. So then he made so the I, matching I, jackets. Right. He made the matching jacket. So you, you, I mean, you, what I was reacting to and pushing back on Kim was you saying, oh, it's it's some great communication between the two of them, I guess. Sure, yeah, yeah, It's no. him communicating, I'm betraying you and leaving you high and dry. Like, that's what he's right. communicating. So I don't think it yeah. was successful... <laughs> 
whatsoever. So yes, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that point. I think I just yeah. meant like at least he went to try to have the conversation. That's instead true. Instead of That's just true. bailing. Because like in it's, the past, yeah. Roman, Kendall, and Shiv yeah, have just might, vanished on each he other. He might have just like not showed up and that would have been the thing. That's right. that's true. That's true. Right. So um baby their, steps. Their, baby their steps relationship in healing. Has, okay. Has advanced, yeah. Healing right. is not linear. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Let's talk about Kendall Roy, a.k.a. Nightmare uh, boss slash presenter, right? Uh, so... And, and I think this is also, in my opinion... Uh, a failure of the people who are handling Kendall. So the big thing is Kendall says he wants this house and he's going to give the presentation from the house and the presentation is happening tomorrow. Uh, And I have been in a situation where there's a presenter and they want a thing a certain way in an impossible timeline. Right. And it is the job of the person being asked the task to be as clear as possible with your communication because what ends up happening is they build this thing that looks really sad and there's clouds and Kendall, the like really sad clouds and Kendall's like, those, those aren't the clouds. And that's very, (laughs) very sad and depressing. And I think it was incumbent upon those people to communicate, Hey, like we're not going to be able to do like it. it, I don't think it should have gotten to that point, but the the problem is in this whole show, no one is willing to say no to people. And those people needed to go to him and say, Hey, this is what we can accomplish in 24 hours and yep. be like as realistic as possible. And cause he said, nobody can say no. And it's like, well, you can either say no now or wait until you spent 12 hours working on this house. That's not going to be used. Yeah. But like one way or the other, the no is going to be communicated, you know? Right. So I, I don't, I think that who knows how I would have reacted in that situation. Um, but it's a tough situation when any boss is asking for something impossible. Yeah. But I do think there was some responsibility. Those people had to like be clear about what is actually possible. And, um, and the fact that they weren't led to like a really unfortunate situation. We're, we're lucky it wasn't worse. Cause it seemed like Kendall was actually pretty reasonable at that point. Yeah. But he could have, he could have freaked out when, when they failed to deliver. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, o- over and over. It's we not see the Kendall first at- time his, his performance has been, uh, you know, I thought he was going to sing. I thought that I was going to get mm-hmm. my Kendall singing moment in this episode. And yeah, it didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Another L to the OG. Uh, but <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's it's a situation where like nobody is, you know, willing to tell him no. The finance guy, you know, he's inflating the numbers. The finance guy is saying no, uh, doesn't want to say no. And the person building the house doesn't want to say no and and all this stuff. 
Um, Jess I really, never says no. Uh, right. Well, Jess is awesome that way. And but I like I like the conversation that Carl has with him because mm. he it's very chastening. And I, at the end of the day, I don't think they you know they say like it will double the numbers or whatever. But I don't think they like present any numbers in the presentation that are particularly objectionable. So maybe he like cut that. I think we're meant to assume he like cut that or or toned it down, down a little bit from what he had. Yeah, something. a little bit because um, he didn't show a number, and then Carl was like, "What? Like that didn't happen." Uh, so then Kendall gives the presentation. Kim Renfro, walk us through your reaction to Kendall's presentation at this investor day. Oh, sweet baby boy, Kendall. Just out there looking all vulnerable. I was... <laughs> I, like, as soon as I realized what he had decided to do with the video, I was like, oh, no. Like, again, I thought that there might be a song coming, something terrible but then like i think i like everyone else who was in the show watching it was like oh he's actually like kind of pulling this off like yes it's all the usual gibberish that we've always heard but so was logan's little pre-recorded speech thing right like it's all full of these like buzz phrases and investor talk and like i think that the times I, I I just think it's always fun when you can see the other people having the reaction that you're having, which is like, is this playing well? I, I think it, I think it's playing well. Yeah, right. Well, that's well, that's one of the great things about the episode is sometimes you're preparing this presentation and it feels like everything is so last minute, everything's just coming together so haphazardly, and you just have you can't imagine this going well, and then like a phoenix rising from the ashes, it actually goes okay. The closest thing I can remember to something or not um, one analogy that comes to mind, this is not perfect for a variety of reasons, but I don't know if you ever did reading about Steve Jobs' first iPhone presentation, no. uh, but basically the software for the iPhone was not at all ready. And it was essentially like a big kind of magic trick that they were doing where I believe if he pressed the buttons in a slightly different order, the whole phone would crash. Like it was, it was this, it was this device that was designed for that presentation alone mm. and to function in that situation. And that's it. Uh, it. It did remind me a little bit of that because yeah, sometimes everything looks like it's failing and left and right. And this is going to be a disaster. And then at the end of the day, he pulls it off. He pulls it off. And I actually thought it was really amazing the way he pulls it off. It's very plausible. Kendall is very media trained. He's not a complete dummy. Yeah. And you really get a sense of that. And that's most evident when he gets a question at the end of the thing where somebody asks him, hey, what do you think about what Matson tweeted about this? Matson tweets a phrase uh, called, I think, uh, what does he say? Doderick Machtfrei? Dodrecht macht free. Mm -hmm. uh, this is from a German phrase, Arbeit macht free. I'm sorry about my my pronunciation. I'm sure I'm butchering it. But this was a phrase that was uh, seen in the entrance of concentration camps, uh, like at the front gate of Auschwitz and, and other concentration camps. Uh, the translation is work uh, will set you free. And he basically put Dodrecht in there. Dodrecht, by the way, is a... Uh, dog character from the world of Waystar Royko IP. Uh, and so he's putting Doderick into the phrase work sets you free um, and basically implying like Doderick will set you free, I think. Um, and, and, and implying that these are kind of 
these living plus houses are kind of death camps, essentially, um, which is very racist and offensive uh, and also not a vote of confidence in this program that he wishes never launched. But I thought the way Kendall handled it was really good. Typically in that scenario, what I've seen someone do many times is they'll say, I'm sorry. Like, uh, I can't comment. I, yeah, haven't I, can't seen... com- I haven't seen, haven't seen the tweet. Can't comment. And that's, that would typically be the end of it. But Kendall takes a second, looks at the tweet, form- formulates a response. It's actually a very reasonable response. I was like, oh man, he really, he really landed this extremely shaky plane. What did you think, Kim Renfro? I did. I think that, I feel like we started this episode with you being like, this episode showed me how dumb all these kids are. <laughs> It did. It did because I think even despite this temporary victory, like Kendall's whole plan <laughs> was, was very to bad show and dumb. He, he wanted to increase the stock price so much that it would make a deal impossible. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't think right. there's any way in hell that's going to happen. Right. And so that piece um, of delusion is still very much there. Yes. But so there's a temporary the, victory, but like it's yeah. still an overall failure, I think. But okay, yeah. go ahead. What are you gonna I say? think whenever I hear, and maybe it, again, it's the little, it's the, it's the children defense in me, but like. I think that Logan underestimated how capable they could be of doing this kind of work well. And I think that mm-hmm. we see that the most in Kendall. Like we've seen flashes of it in Roman too. I think that we've seen bits of it with Shiv, especially maybe more in her like political stuff. But like Kendall could be very good at this job. It is simply all of his like fucked up emotions and ego issues and like all this other stuff that was mostly created within his relationship with his father that just gets in his, he gets in his own way all the time. And so like, that's, what's painful. I think is that like, you can see, you can see how he could pull it off if he was like clear headed about things, but that's just impossible given his life and the, and what he does. Yeah. Like what he chooses to do with his time. Yeah. I'm a little bit more negative than you are on it, but I think overall you've captured the spirit of what I think the show is trying to say, right? Which is that there is potential. I'm a little more negative because I don't actually think that's the case. Like we've seen Kendall when, when they're thinking of buying Pierce, like all their ideas were terrible. Uh, I, I don't think Kendall has good instincts. He obviously is terrible at managing his staff, treats them very poorly. I just don't think somebody with Kendall's set of uh, asked characteristics uh, a set of characteristics can be successful. I yeah. just don't think so. Um, but uh, whose fault is that? You know, right. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, it's certainly partially Kendall's fault, but it's also partially the way he was raised and trained. And so, yeah, right. Um, and then we see the we see the ripple effect of it, which is massive businesses and hundreds of people or thousands of people who work for massive conglomerate companies, like potentially losing their jobs or having their bosses get fired suddenly or having their companies completely reorged. Like, right. Yeah. Like that, that affects people's livelihoods, but what we're watching on succession. When companies are mismanaged, right. And, and people are overhired or focuses are focuses put in the wrong aspects. Um, Entire newsrooms can be laid off potentially and that's, as I, might, as might've happened recently. I think that that's why it's interesting. That's why I liked and appreciated that this episode just spent all of its time in Los Angeles. to like, once again, I like, they keep kind of like taking turns of like grounding us of like what working class is around this company or like potentially being affected by it. And so, yeah. Yeah. There's a few closing moments. Shiv reevaluates her relationship with Tom as they, uh, enter this weird mutually agreed upon torment slash support dynamic. 
Uh, Kendall sends a mocking video of Logan that's been edited to be very unflattering to Roman, who listens to it with some poignancy. There's this amazing moment where Roman's in the car. He starts like biting his fingernails when he gets really kind of nervous and regressing and you see him do that in the car and then he starts mm. listening to this recording as though as though he almost finds it comforting to hear his dad yeah. disparage him yeah uh, it's very very poignant and then kendall walks into the ocean at the end and kind of finds it to be a purifying experience um it i interpret this as a temporary victory in a slow and steady decline of the company mm. it's like hey you pulled off the presentation but it's not going to stop Madsen. Uh, and you're alienating people left and right. You're creating lawsuits left and right. Uh, and this you're drawing more attention to the fact that Mencken's campaign has uncomfortably close ties to your business, right? Like Roman, one of the, like, I feel like one of the worst reactions to being told like, Hey, some of our employees are concerned that (laughs) you're too close to a fascist presidential candidate to be like, well, you're fired. It's like, yeah, that's how then more attention gets drawn to the connections right. between right. media. Well, especially because it seemed like Joy had a lot of backing from her talent. But yeah. this, that's another thing that that's another thing that it has a real life parallel, which is uh, for a while there's a lot of tension between the Fox Entertainment divisions and the Fox News division, where mm-hmm. Fox News has really clear politics, and you might be making a movie for Fox, and you might not have different have the same politics. Um, now, I think Roman handled the meeting very poorly. But I also understand why Roman said what he said is because, in his opinion, this is all BS. Uh, Hollywood is built upon lies and hypocrisy, you know. And it's like, uh, and so I, I, I totally get that. But that's not how you act in that meeting, you know. I, right. I, I don't think he he handled himself well. You don't so. say the quiet part out loud quite as much. Exactly. Precisely, precisely. All right, uh, we're gonna get to favorite quotes in a second, but until then, Kim Renfro. Uh, where can people find more of your work on the internet this week? Right here at decodingtv.com. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sounds good. I feel like the list the list of places has slowly <laughs> been decreasing as time you has can, gone on. You can Easter egg your way through all of my decoding TV episodes and piece yes. together my relationship with uh, the internet. <laughs> well, of course, you can find Decoding TV at youtube.com slash decoding TV and Instagram, YouTube and uh, TikTok and Twitter at Decoding TV. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and become a paid member. Support the podcast at decodingtv.com. Uh, all right, Kim Renfro, favorite quote from the episode? I will say it's Tom asking incredulously, you're scheduling your grief, uh, which is a great turn of phrase and also a sad commentary on the state of the Roy's schedule these days. Yeah. Really love that quote. Kim, what's your yeah. favorite quote from this episode? Uh, I got to go with Rome being offered condolences. <laughs> And he just says, refused. I have all the condolences I need. Tummy full. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Sometimes you way. just get too many condolences, you know? And you right. Can't... To be to be so fed up of people, like, yeah. knowing that people feel like they have to tell you they're sorry your dad died when you feel like he, you know nobody means that, yourself mm-hmm. included, maybe, question mark. Just a uh, beautiful, beautiful turn of phrase in responding instead of just saying, <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> Indeed. All right, folks, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of Decoding TV. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Succession Season 4, Episode 7. Uh, we got Mrs. Davis coverage coming to you, the new Peacock original series. Uh, so a lot of great stuff. 
Hope to see you there. Thanks so much. Until then, goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.